0: Hello, and welcome to another comedian's interview for my blog and podcast, A Rich Comic Life. My name is Richard Gill, and my blog describes my experiences of watching over 1,000 comedians over the last 47 years, I'm delighted to welcome my guest today. It's the brilliant Mr. Andrew Bird. Yeah,
1: hello. hello. Hey, how are you? Not bad. Uh, I didn't realise that's 47 years you've been watching stand-up.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's bonkers. I know. My my first ever gig, if you can call it a gig, was Les Dawson at, at, uh, on holiday in Scarborough in 1977. And a year later, we saw Tommy Cooper, and that was it. <laughs> I just started recording everything on a spreadsheet, and I was away. And so, there is an extraordinary array of comedians in my blog, course, including it's big, you. It's a big and, start
1: to the spreadsheet, isn't it? Les oh, Dawson, <laughs>
0: Tommy Cooper. Yeah, brilliant. It was absolutely brilliant. Anyway, uh, thank you so much for doing this. Uh, it's a pleasure to talk to you and as uh, uh, we're going to talk about your career for the next hour or so and if we can start off by asking you how did you become a comedian in the first place please
1: wow um i think it's i put it down to um watching the young ones i've said this a few times but watching <laughs> the young ones on comic relief i think it was 1988 Wow. It was the first Comic Relief. Was That's that 88? Right. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. Um, yeah. The Young Ones were on, and they sung a song, Living Doll, with Cliff Richard, and then it showed an episode <laughs> of The Young Ones. And we, me and my brother were allowed to stay up because it was for charity. So I would have been <laughs> seven, nearly eight at the time, I think. And I was watching The Young Ones. And me and my brother sat there, and it just blew up. We, we kind of laughed, but we were just, just shocked that adults could be that funny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like children, yeah. And something went off in my head then that not that I wanted to be a stand-up, it wasn't that, it was just being funny is a great thing. Fantastic. So that's, that's where it started from, just just being funny. I just wanted to be funny because of Rick Mayall, mainly. And me and my brother still, to this day, still just go, and do Rick <laughs> Mayall stuff. <laughs> just constantly talk like Rick Mail. I can hear... The way Rick Mail talks and the way I say things, quite a lot. Um, yeah, I, I can see exactly that. Yeah, same. yeah, and, um, it's brilliant. It ab- absolutely uh, just made me want to be funny, just funny. But then it was uh, seeing Lee Evans at fifteen. This wow. really a lot of people's answer around my age. Yeah, yeah. And Lee Evans. Lee Evans. I wanted to be funny, and Lee Evans made me go. Oh, I want to do stand up. <laughs> Rick Mayo made me want to be funny. Lee Evans made me want to do stand-up.
0: That is a perfect answer. I, I was very, very lucky. To see uh, Rick Mail in my home city of Carlisle, right. he played Carlisle in about 1990, and uh, there were uh, uh, the curtains were down, and off stage there was the sound, the the music was Dallas, and then the Muppet Show, and it kept scratching. And when the curtains opened, he jumped on his trousers exploded, and he went, "Ladies and gentlemen of the Carl," he kept calling the Carl Carlisle. I'm Rick and uh, pointed at a bloke who was not laughing and threw him out. (laughs) 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 And that was incredible. And I thought, this guy's amazing. And I was such a massive fan of the Young Ones with you, you know, and and he was an extraordinary talent, much missed.
1: Yeah, um, I often say that about, I can't think of an example now, but on the Young Ones and Bottom with Rick Mayall, he can say just a word and make it, Funny, like so. I sometimes think looking at the script of it, you must have been, you know, on script, bottom and the young ones. Doesn't there's does some like really good jokes, but he can get a good two, three minutes out of uh saying one word in oh, a funny yeah. way,
0: yeah, yeah, so, well, no one well. else can do. Well, we were talking about Tommy Cooper and Mark and, uh, Markham and Weiser, another example, or Ken Dodd or something where, or even Peter Kay, where they just walk on and they don't do anything and they're funny. And he was one of them, Rick Mail, by an absolute mile. He just had the look. And you were laughing and pulling a face or whatever. And um, Lee Evans, we used to go to see his launch shows for his comedy, his 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 warm up shows. And uh, there again, they were Carl Allen. He he would do two and a half hours of of uh, long of um, preview shows, and he was oh, exhausted yeah. by the end of it. But the magic of him was the visual. Comedy straight after the joke. You know, he would tell the joke, and if he if didn't quite get a laugh, he would pull the most amazing yeah. face to do it. He was extraordinary, like a human so,
1: cartoon. Yeah,
0: yeah, but, he, was. he was. But
1: he, you um, forget in the when he was newer, how like like because he he um, like towards the end he was doing sort of quite similar stuff, and he had yeah. been copied so much by like me as well. Like, like so many comedians he showed how to do it and what he did didn't look as original as it did at the start at the start the things like you know like um what water purify shit and it says sort that lot out they're, like they're pr- <laughs> brilliant brilliant he had like brilliant jokes and sometimes because yeah. he acts them out so well yeah he can sell a all right joke and make it brilliant but sometimes i think people don't give him credit for how good his jokes are Oh, well, that, well, that, I that
0: was it. it. It was very, very clever material. So um, there you were watching these wonderful comedians. Um, what was your first ever gig like? Did you start off doing five-minute spots in pubs or things yeah. like that? Yeah, I see that.
1: No. Like most, <laughs> see, most people will answer now, you know, because there's now like, I don't know I'm going to sound old and moaning through some of this, but there's, there's like a there's now quite a clear path to do stand up. Right. Every town's got an open spot night. Every town's got a couple of good comedy clubs. When I started and around when well when I um started watching Lee Evans um and going like we used to go around people's houses. Someone had the new Lee Evans video. We went around like it was like the new Beatles record. And like it'd be on a, like a house party. Lee Evans would be on in the background instead of music. That's how big he was. <laughs> and then um. He, uh, um And then I, I started writing stuff down, writing ideas down. Because I thought, I, th- I think like that. And I started writing my ideas down. And I had loads of mates telling me you should do stand-up and stuff. And I used to go down hey. to the pub when I was about 16, 17. I used to go to the pub. And I used to try little bits out in the pub. So they were, like, just talking with people. So they were, like, early little sneaky open spots in my head. But there was Time's nowhere happened. to go and do an open spot. There was nowhere... You didn't know how you did it. So one of my friends, Claire Holm, I've I've give her credit quite a lot. Yeah. Deserves it. She was, um, she worked at, uh, no, she was at Northampton College. She was a student doing drama and they were doing a talent night and she said, you're doing stand-up at the talent (laughs) night and I went, what? I went, no, no, no. And then she went, I've signed you up and you're doing it now because I've put (laughs) it down. So you have to do it. And I was like, what? And then, And I was writing and preparing for it and stuff. And then and I did it. And it was, I got there and it was a talent night of people doing extracts from Shakespeare and stuff. But in a proper little college, little theatre thing. But it was like earnest college students doing Shakespeare and young girls playing the trumpet. (laughs) Doing a bit of ballet. And then I, I come on at the end. You know, gobby seventeen-year-old, eighteen-year-old. fit. no, I think I was eighteen. Cool. <laughs> oh, you know when you're, you know when you're drunk and you throw up, and you're laying on the floor and you've had alphabet spaghetti and it spells out "I'm pissed" and like the, <laughs> the liquid acts like a speech bubble. I think that was one of my earliest. <laughs> and it was just, as my brother later told me, it was all just condoms and talking about getting drunk. <laughs> But this was after little girls dancing in front of their parents. <laughs> after I come on, go, roo, roo, condoms and uh, the thing about coloured condoms, who cares they're coloured? So, uh, that was it. That was it. So my first gig was like, I think of it now, it would be, as a professional that's been going 20 years, it would be a hard gig.
0: Mm-hmm. It was nigh well, on impossible. Out. It was
1: my first gig. and um, But I had proper stage fright and it's the first and only time I've had proper I can't I can't go on I can't do it wow Claire Holm literally shoved me onto the stage and I'm not saying I would never have done stand-up but it might have taken me a few more years to do it if she didn't shove me she gave me a literal and metaphorical push and I always give a great answer (laughs) I saw I saw her recently I always I still now I always say to her if it weren't for you I would have done stand up, but it would have took a f- maybe another year at least, maybe wow, two. Wow.
0: That's 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 wonderful to have somebody in your life who will always be there for you and have always started off things for you. It, it's well, I'm wonderful.
1: lucky I had quite a lot of um, mates who were encouraging when I started. Yeah. So that's yeah. my, I'd say that's my first gig, but my first proper gig was in uh, Birmingham University Daily Telegraph Open Mic and uh and i'd forgot i went and found because i kept the newspaper the student paper from when i did the gig So that's my first proper gig to people going to see comedy and i was doing an open spot and ian cognito was closing and well, um and then well, my, so then then my third gig was my first ever gig in an actual comedy club and that was the king's head in london
0: Oh, um, well, wow. I've been yeah, there many
1: times. So I had three first gigs in a way. First actual gig, first gig to an actual audience that I've gone to see comedy, and then first gig in an actual comedy club.
0: And what, what, what year Stradotta? was this,
1: roughly? Um, it was um, uh, uh, 99. Right. Was my, right. First, my first ever gigs were 99. Yeah. The King's Head was maybe 2000. Yeah. See, that's why I don't count my first sort of year or two, because I only did about four gigs in two years. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so you, so, can't, you can't count them.
0: So so after those first gigs, did did you get regular work? Was the work in comedy clubs? Did you have to ring up for bookings or what? How did it work?
1: No, you see this again. This is a, this is a sound like an old man in man but <laughs>
0: please carry on when I started funny. when I started
1: I know there's older comedians who'll say you know will think oh, I was spoiled but when I started it was it was not there was not a gig everywhere. There was two gigs in Northampton where right. I lived. Was, right. um, the picture drome and there was Northampton Derngate's Grim Blue Murder still going yeah, yeah. great gig and um and uh but you couldn't get an open spot there. You had to be an established professional comedian Right. So what, what did you do? So I ran, So I got that Daily Telegraph open mic. I rang that. And then I said, "Well, where, where else do I get gigs after this? And the bloke on the phone went, well, you get Time Out magazine from London. So I couldn't get that magazine where I lived. So I had to get someone who'd gone to London to get it for me. Oh. <laughs> and then you go through all where it says interested acts call. They're the ones you ring. Yeah, if you yeah. haven't got that, then don't call it because they're not interested. If it's got 19 comedians on, that means there's a good chance you could get a gig there. Yeah. And I, mem- I can't remember who it was on the phone. I've still got it written down in a notepad King's Head, uh, Comedy Calf, Cosmic Comedy. Yeah. Those three. They said, do them, get a five at them. And then once you do them, they'll tell you other ones to get five minute open spots at. And that was it. You just I got those in. I had them in a notepad for months, maybe looking at them, going, oh, I should ring them. And then I finally rang them and put an open spot in with them I was like well that's it now they're in and then did them Uh, I did the King's Ed first can't remember after that which one was which and then um and then once you've done one then you ring other ones and go well I've done the King's Ed and they go all right and you put that in for five and you keep ringing up and doing five here five there and then you meet other comedians they say I'll do that one and then it just builds and builds and then and then the holy grail when you start is to get a paid ten. When you heard he's got a paid ten. What? Like, <laughs> unthinkable when you start a paid ten. <laughs> ten minutes and paid. No way. Um, but yeah, that that's the thing now when some people say to me about how would you start doing stand up? There are ways now of doing a course and then from yeah. that, blah blah blah. blah. But the best way, like the best things, is you've just got to do it. There's no shortcut. You just got to turn up, do it, ring up, be rubbish.
0: I can I can remember the Time Out magazine. I've been in London for thirty years, and uh, I first went to the comedy store in 1988. And I can wow. remember, I can remember um, going to uh, see Time Out and all the listings and everything, and looking at the numbers. And uh, um, so, obviously, what you're describing is obviously true because that's what you all did to get to get on the bills and everything. Just uh, just as an aside, I I I once had a go at stand up, and yeah. uh, I wanted to get it out of my system. And uh, <laughs>
1: yeah, I'm still the, doing that. Uh,
0: <laughs> and the uh, promoter um, said, uh, "There's a gong show." uh um uh, um f- uh, but it's an old people's gong show there was, there was so i walked out there's three people in it it was a specific thing in edinburgh at the, at the fringe they, they were trying these different things out and i'd written this script and uh, he said, that's really good going. So I walked out and my first line was, um, good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, people think I look like Eddie the Eagle Edwards, the ski jumper, but I can't see the resemblance myself. And of course, I do. And I, and I thought it was a killer opening line. Some old bloke at the back just went, fuck off. <laughs> and I walked up wow. to me on footsteps and I thought,
1: hmm.
0: <laughs> was that it? that was it (laughs) that's the only gig you've ever done yes i i i um... went out
1: on the you went out on top
0: <laughs> I am. I am. Didn't even do a gig. I- you did. You've done a line. <laughs> I am. I am infamous for sitting in an audience, laughing like a drain, supporting you all, which is what I'm, the purpose for the blog. Don't,
1: don't think we don't appreciate it. Uh,
0: <laughs> but never say never again. I mean, um, it, it, it's 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 not the most difficult thing in the world. It's just. Once you go out and do it, I, I I can imagine that that one of one of my questions is: um, Do you ever get nervous when you go on stage? I can imagine, obviously, at the start, but uh, you would get nervous. But once you have got fifty or a hundred gigs or whatever under your belt, yeah. The nerves do go. Is that correct? Or
1: um, Yeah. I, I still can't believe you never did it again. It's like saying I did heroin <laughs> once and went, yeah, it was all right, and then never tried it again.
0: I might well have a go. You never know.
1: <laughs> one line. One line. It was a good line as well. Thank okay. you. It's a good opening line. Do <laughs> you, know, you know I saw the other night, who you'll know uh, from the circuit, Jimbo wow and i've not seen him in years for those wow. who don't know on the com- on the open mic circuit on the op- uh, doing open spots jimbo he, when i started he was a legendary uh, yeah um comedian who's been going years just very intense, much so, yeah never does the same material always does no. different stuff some of it you can you can have a great gig it can go badly and there's so many funny stories, and he's got one a bit like what you just said. Where he, but he drove like about four hours to a gig, walked <laughs> on stage, and someone went fuck off, and he went all right, and walked straight back off again, and his car drove home. He did that, and there was another one where he was on stage, and he said, "Right, well, I've got, I've got to finish in a second. My bus is coming," right? And he could see the bus stop out the window of the second floor of a pub, and he saw the bus coming. He went, "Oh, well, I've got to go. Good night." Climbed out the window, down the side of the building. And the audience watched him run up the road and get on a bus.
0: <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs>
1: um, but yeah, you're saying...
0: you, see, you see, that's the uniqueness of the comedy world. <laughs> well,
1: I, I do think a bit of that is gone, though. That's what um, yeah. I think. Uh, I moan about that being old again. That I do think when I started, someone walked on stage. Like now, if someone walks on stage, you think, well, they're going to be a certain level of good. They've watched live at the Apollo, they've seen Mop the Week, there's a level. Mm. They've got this, some way of knowing how to do it without even doing it. Yeah. When, when I started, there wasn't any of that. People would walk on stage and you'd not think, are they going to be good or not? You'd think, are they going to be mental? Are they going to be nuts? Or are they going to be something that resembles a comedian?
0: That's your magic ingredient. It's the originality. Whenever I see you, I never know what to expect, but I know I'm going to have a fantastic time. And that's all credit to you. You, you oh, must go out there and go, right, I'm going to make these people laugh before I leave.
1: Um. Yeah. I um, Well, yeah. No, clearly uh, not. <laughs> yeah. But well, it is. Said, it's it's magical
0: about, to watch.
1: You're saying about the nerves, but, but yeah. the um the question with that is everyone's different but i for me i um i was really really nervous when well everyone's nervous but i was really nervous when i started to the point i had to keep swapping hands with a mic because my hands were shaking so much and i still get um generally nervous um in conversation with people sometimes get nervous and shaky I hope um, this is all right. <laughs> yeah, no. But, um, but I find with me, when I do gigs, when I get nervous, I get all a bit weak and shaky and feel like I'm hungry. You know when you have a sugar low? Yeah, yeah. feel like yeah. that. Um, but it changes over the years. It comes and goes where you definitely get to the point where it's more manageable. And it right. doesn't It doesn't feel like nerves. It feels like part of it. And you're like, oh, I know this feeling. Yeah, uh, this is this is going to be fine. This is part of it. I'll be mm-hmm. all right when I'm on there. That's yeah. that's from having years of knowing it's gone a certain way, and you know that. Even and do you know what made me less nervous is um I did a did Reading Festival that made me I was so nervous, massive 2010 wow. a Reading Festival, and I was nervous all day petrified all day shaking pacing around my wife was with me girlfriend at the time just pacing around and then it went a thousand times worse than anything i could have ever envisaged being nervous and that made me after that i thought well there's no point being that nervous because it could be even worse than you could think so
0: exactly yeah, of- yeah. So what,
1: what happened was the uh uh has Junior Simpson was on before me, who'd been on a load of films and telly at the time. So he was a big thing. And then Block Party, the big band of the moment, yeah, yeah, was going yeah. on as soon as he finished. So people were going to go, right, we'll see him and then we'll run over and see Block Party. <laughs> so he finished, went, good night. And uh, the comedian, <laughs> I don't care, I'll name him because he screwed me over completely. Adam, <laughs> Adam Ethan Crow said, uh, he said, uh, All right, Junior Simpson, Andrew Bird. And I walked on to. A 1,000 people leaving. Wow. So I uh, walked onto a how tent. How you with that? Tent of people walking out with eight <laughs> blokes dressed as Vikings in the front row, repeatedly shouting, say something funny, say something funny, oh, say God. something funny. I had an out-of-body experience looking down at myself like there's absolutely nothing you can do here. That's nothing.
0: terrifying. No
1: one could have pulled that gig round. Well, someone might have, but not, I couldn't. At that time, so, like, so did you just did you
0: still go on and do your allotted time or yeah, you, yeah, I've, yeah. I've never walked
1: off early. Uh, no, no, twenty no. years. Yeah, you know? yeah. But I, um, I after that, I thought, well, there's no point getting that nervous because it could be worse. Yeah,
0: you know? yeah, of course. Yeah, you think, would you, but... would, you, would you say that once you started talking to an audience, the nerves go? Is it the walk out to the stage and wondering what's going to happen or?
1: Um, yeah, I think after you get your first laugh. Yeah. Then the nerves go. You know away. And then, yeah. then you think, oh, yeah. all right. And then suddenly, but then suddenly they'll go. <sighs> and you go, oh, oh, shit, 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 shit. Rush back. And the, and then we all know, right? You all know, in um, conversation with someone, that feeling of trying to say something funny, and everyone looking around at a table of people, and no one laughs, and that horrible—it's like uh, uh,
0: uh, it's like, that. It's like, ah. it's like Dick Reeves' thing, where you tell him the jokes, and then it just, the... oh,
1: I just <laughs> but, um, but then, then from feeling like you do, you're all right with no nerves. It suddenly floods back into your you're way. Right. Yeah, but yeah, usually yeah. I am I'm a bit like I used to run the 800 and 1500 for county when I was younger and that I think still that's probably the most nervous I've ever been doing that and it's oh. a bit I still find myself before a gig like I've got a race I sort of pace about I kick my legs like I'm loosening my legs up like <laughs> a runner without I don't realise I'm doing it I just do it without realising probably yeah, yeah, yeah. being nervous from that but um I've got better and I heard a thing, um, I think it's Mel Robbins, a motivational speaker. Right. And it, it's a simple thing, but I think there's something in it. If you've, in your head, instead of saying, I feel nervous, don't think it to yourself, you think, I feel excited. Because it's the same sort of biological feelings, I think. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. And nerves are the same thing. So if you keep saying to yourself, I'm excited for this gig. You're just in your brain, going, yeah, I'm looking forward to this. I'm excited, rather than these feelings are nerves. That helps for about four seconds.
0: That's <laughs> that's, that's brilliant, though. It's a good answer. Um, tell me about your writing process, if you've got one, for a routine or a show. Um, How do you go yeah. about um, preparing a routine?
1: Well... It's that I've tried I've tried like most comedians, I've tried every way. I've tried every possible technique there is. Um for, for me, I start off with uh the idea of something like um uh what's an, I should give an example of something that I've been doing at the moment. Like um like uh a bit that I've I've only done about once that I'm sort of working on at the moment is uh, people who have flags on the front of their houses. Right? I've, I've never understood that. And I've always thought, what, what have you got a flag on your house for? So that that's how it started. Just that. Why have you got a flag on your house? So I've, I'll have written down in my notepad somewhere, just flags or flag on house. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's it. That's it. And then that might sit in your notepad for like two years, three years. You never do anything with it. and Then you see it again. And then uh, you're like, "Why oh, haven't I done something with that? And then you keep thinking of it. And so, sometimes what might happen is then you see someone like Bill Burr or Kevin Bridges absolutely nail it. And you're like, shit, should have done something that. <laughs> That's why it's always nerve wracking watching a new special <laughs> of someone. You're like, ah, I'm going to do that. And you've got to try and make sure you do it. So then, so then I'll get that flags and then I'll try and, I, what I try and do is write out longhand Sometimes I'll write out longhand, everything, splurge it onto the page, everything, everything that I think about it, and then go back from all that longhand and then try to break it down into manageable chunks. Yeah. That bit's about that. That's that. That's that. And then shrink that down. Then you might think, oh, that would work better at the end there to end on that. So I've got a safety net of that. Seems like that'll work. Put that at the end for now, at least, so you know you've got something that'll end all right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that might change and then get that down, back down to just flags on house. Right. So you, I sort of start off with a word or a couple of words, write it out as much as possible. I hate those comedians who say, no, I don't write anything, I just go yeah. on stage and try it on stage. Well, fuck you. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm so I, jealous. It <laughs> I try stuff out on stage, do you? <laughs> um, so i wish i could do that I, yeah, yeah, them. I can't i have to write it out sometimes i do that but it'll be something pretty short that i know is you know so i start off so i've got like uh one line ad is why you got flags a flag on your house it's a house it's not a pirate ship <laughs> and then and then low and then I've, but I've got loads of and it's got longer and it's all about you know people who have thanks nhs flag on house. It's like, we're all grateful to the nhs why do you have to have a flag on your house no one no one's thinking you're not grateful i've just added more to it like i tell you how you could show your gratitude next time you're in a and e you've got to wait more than three hours don't be rude to the staff show you oh, yeah. that way yeah, yeah more and more and more and then you've got to shrink it back down mm. and get all the waffle out all the unnecessary words out and get it down to just a couple of sections that's how i write out and then in do you,
0: kind of. do you take a notebook onto a onto the stage or do you write things on your hands to to, to test the audiences or or do you, when you have these manageable chunks do you know them yeah. before you go on stage
1: yeah yeah well, i try i tr- i try to get it to that point where i've got it down to little manageable chunks mm. Like, mm. you've got um your set list in your head mm of like hopefully one or two words and then those one or two words should remind you of these little manageable chunks Um, so it goes like that
0: because because when i watch you it's it as i said before it's the originality but it's also the seamlessness of it it's it's crazy but it's like bah and you know what you're doing whereas with a lot of the comedians some of the comedians i see they stop and they look and it pro- and it breaks the routine up because they've got it written on their hands so I, th- yeah. I think you're right if you get to a specific point of learning it and then going out and doing it. And then you can judge what the audiences are like.
1: Do you know, I think there's sort of two ways of looking at it when you do, I, I, like, I like, I've always liked um, like Billy Connolly is always a massive hero oh, of mine. Yeah. And he's um, yeah. the way I've tried to be like him, but um, you know, maybe too much sometimes where you like, you know, you can't think like him. So don't, you know, so I've tried to make it seem like it's all just one conversation. It's, yeah, yeah. There's yeah. no, there's no links. But then sometimes that can get a bit. <laughs> I like, I do, I do like it sometimes when a comedian stops and yeah. sort of gives the audience a kind of, well, that's the end of that bit.
0: Yeah, start the next bit. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And I yeah. think
1: sometimes I need to have a bit more courage to do that because I try and make it seem like it's all seamless. Maybe in a, in a nervous way of. <laughs> Don't judge this as just a joke. This is, just, this is coming from <laughs> the other bit. Um, some, so sometimes, if you disguise it as just talking, then there's a bit yeah, less yeah. pressure on it. When I think I should have a bit more courage, but
0: I—if um, it, it, it works wonderfully that way that you're saying, because when 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 I've seen you, I I'm laughing so hard I have to keep up with the jokes, and that's what it should be like.
1: Yeah, but I, yeah, I think. I think um, sometimes I worry too much about linking one bit to the other when it doesn't really matter that much. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's quite funny when a comedian sort of goes, um, you know, my wife and blah, 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 my wife. Anyway, swimming. I was swimming the other day. (laughs) Yeah, I quite like that. Completely. (laughs) I I do like that as well. I just don't want the balls to do it. Um, uh, But I I do, if it's a new material night, i'm all right with taking a bit of paper on i, I really enjoyed yeah, yeah. It. i really like that bit i like that thing of doing that of going of doing a new bit and then it doesn't link to the next bit and then you go <laughs> right shopping <laughs> um the audience really find that funny as well yeah yeah yeah, yeah. I, I wish comedy could be like that a bit more yeah. sometimes too much pressure to you say
0: seem. um you say you've been uh doing your comedy career for 20 years and I've been following a lot of it. Um, was there ever a point, and I suppose it does link into writing routines and whatnot, was there Was there ever a point where you thought, yes, I can do this for a living?
1: Uh, <laughs> not yet. Not yet. Not yet. Um, <laughs> um, uh, not with... Not with uh... Energy prices at the moment. No. Well, tell me
0: about it. Yeah, it's disgraceful. Um, <laughs> Absolutely.
1: But there was, um, it's a, yeah, it's a weird. It, it was. It happened gradually for me because I, I did it quite in not intentionally, but my, again out of fear. I right. did it in quite a safe way. In that, um, one of my first jokes when I moved to London, one of my opening jokes is based is based on a true thing, where my brother's best mate. Uh, moved to Colorado and he gave me his room in a nice house in London and his job in one of the best pubs in London. Wow. So, Thanks, mate. Have you got a girlfriend? That was one of my <laughs> first jokes um, <laughs> when I moved to London. So it's true. He gave me his job in the Bedford. Do you know the Banana Cabaret? Oh,
0: course, yeah, yeah, I know it know well. Know I mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: So I moved to London. I had a room in a nice house in Streatham Hill and I worked yes. in a really, really good pub that ha- was coincidentally one of the best comedy clubs in London. It is. It so, is. And I had a new material night. So I was like, I was there. I was in amongst wow. it. And it was perfect because I started off. I would do, you do um, five night shifts a week. You had to do five. But then if you did the Sunday, Sunday lunch, which was really busy, you had Sunday night off. So I uh, I had, I could do three, four gigs a week now. Easily. Yeah. And when you're starting, that's great. So I, I yeah. Just, yeah, uh, yeah. And then what I did was I whittled the pub down. I went down to, um, four shifts a week and then three, and then I only did three day shifts. So then I could do as many gigs <laughs> as I wanted. So Ooh. I was lucky that I sort of whittled it down. Um, yeah. really gradually, but it still felt like a big, big step. Then, um, them thinking but that that was when i started getting paid 20s that was all i thought that if i never make it i'll just always work in a pub or something and yeah yeah Yeah. do gigs and all my ambition was was to get uh 20 at the banana cabaret a 20 at the backyard the Glees and the comedy store, yeah, 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 gigs like that. I that, yeah. that was it when I started again. That was your ambition, it wasn't to get on telly or mop the week or live no, at Apollo. No, no, it was get a 20 at the comedy what, store. And the banana one
0: what is, what is wonderful though, because as you say, you 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 were given a, um, a job in the Bedford Arms, so you're already in one of the best comedy clubs in Britain, and you must have got the experience just from being there. Yeah, to get on stage and have a go—that's that's that's wonderful.
1: I used to uh, have a ga- I used to have a game of uh, sneaking off to watch bits of the comedy and not get <laughs> caught by the manager. And I, I poked my head in there and saw many a memorable moment. Just wow. bits of like um, of like um, people dying a death, like who are brilliant because that banana cabaret can be changed from comedian to comedian during the that's night. Right. Be a great yeah, gig, hard yeah. gig, great gig. I remember very clearly, I was telling someone this the other day, that the Banana Cabaret used to be, even the best comedians only did it twice a year. Yeah. That the, the, when I started, like, Mickey Flanagan, Sean Mio, Ian Stone, they were, like, the top headline acts. Fantastic. And even only that, they, they only did it twice a year. If that, everyone only did it once a year. I remember clearly on the flyer, this bloke was on it twice in a couple of months. I was like, who's this bloke? he's doing it he's doing a banana cabaret twice in three months no one does that who is this michael mackin something oh wow michael <laughs> McIntyre. who is it who, who, who do you think he is doing the banana more than more than twice a year this bloke better be good i remember stood on the balcony of the banana going right i'm gonna watch this bloke doing it more than twice a year and then going oh, all right yeah all right uh, uh, but I remember
0: watching. I uh, I I first saw uh, Alan Davis perform at the Banana Cabaret before he was famous. He was wonderful, and then I saw Lee Mack and Tim Vine together, and uh, John Maloney was John Maloney was a regular compare there. I first saw him at the Comedy Store when I first came down. It's it's wonderful memories of. Either working in comedy clubs or going to comedy clubs because yeah. you're in the moment and and it's wonderful watching comedians like your good self grow. That's another reason why I do the blog and list all the um, all the appearances, all the uh, shows that I've seen.
1: Well, I, I like that as a comedian. I sometimes feel I feel like some comedians still make me feel like I'm like just a comedy fan. Yeah. That. yeah, I remember watching Paul Tomkinson. Oh, that, that. not that yeah. long ago, and watching him, and th- yeah. and I was on next. Yeah, 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 was just, yeah. yeah was he's, just, he was so good. Yeah, I was laughing like a child, like a comedy fan. But, yeah, um, yeah. At the banana, I remember. Yeah, seeing, um, uh, seeing all, like all uh, Mickey Flanagan, all of them. Yeah, brilliant. Constantly before, I remember watching Daniel Kitson. Wow. Sat on a seat with a newspaper just filled in heckles for 20 minutes. He he provoked the audience and antagonised them into just heckling him. That's fantastic. And he just sat and dealt with heckles for 20 minutes. And I remember this woman shouting, tell a joke. And he went, you you, you don't have to tell a joke, madam, to be a comedian. In the same way, you, you don't have to wear lipstick to be a whore. (laughs) <laughs> and then he said clearly in your case it helps. <laughs> so it's a
0: helpful piece of I just
1: I just heard that and then got the hand of on my shoulder from the manager. All not- oh, right. Got to go back.
0: Wow, brilliant, brilliant, brilliant. Um how do you remember all your routines? Do you have a way of remembering in your head pointers or things like that?
1: Well, yeah, I kind of um Said that a minute ago, kind of explained it like it'll start off with, um, yeah, just a word just managing, managing them
0: into chunks and stuff. And, really yeah, and them then them I out. have,
1: yeah. and then but I, I some, sometimes think I've got a good memory and then an awful memory. It comes and goes. I remember other people's material better than my own, <laughs> really, nut, really annoying. I'll tell people a bit they did 20 years ago, and they'll go, I forgot that. I'm like, "Oh no, word for word. I can't remember my stuff I wrote yesterday um But yeah, like last night, for instance, my set list last night, if I can remember it now. So this is—I'll go on in my head, and I'll go um GP, women's football. Hang on, see you got a, in the middle of a joke. You do this in your head. In the middle of a joke, you go, "Come on, come on, come on, come on!" Electric cars, sliders, <laughs> um, sliders um sports day. Year six leaving, do. Is that, is that in your head? So uh, there are links, obviously, to it. And then they link from one... So that's yeah. the thing in my head. I have a jumble of those lists of words, like a shopping list. The best... Uh, quite a good way to describe it, I've noticed this, is if someone tells you a phone number that you don't know at first, it, it's just a mesh of numbers, and you're like, I'll never remember that. And then you tell it yourself a few times, you go over it, Oh one three two seven You get... You get to that point where a phone yeah. number, you can say it like that. Yeah. Because at the start, you go oh, 016013. <laughs> oh, there are two. Oh, 0132, right, I've got that bit, I've got that bit. Oh one three two seven. right, got that. What's the next bit? It's like that.
0: So, yeah, yeah. yeah it feels like yeah.
1: an unmanageable, like, mangle of numbers you'll never remember. And yeah. then when you get to the point where a phone number is 0-1-3-2-7-3-5-1-double-6-3, like that. You're like, bam, 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 how, how yeah. did I never know that?
0: Yeah, yeah. And then the you get to
1: that point and then you have to write new stuff. You like, oh.
0: <laughs> the, the, um, the, the reason why I asked the question is, is um, other than this blog, the most creative thing I ever did was write a play, just a half-hour play. And I, I was going to take it to the Edinburgh Festival, but we put it on for, for comic relief. And it's basically about me coming down to London, not having a job, and I had a successful girlfriend who had a job. And, he's, and the character never had an interview before. So my mate played all the interviewers. And I, I'd walk out and it'd be the waiting room. It was monologue, me just describing the situation and then the interviewing the monologue and the interview. And uh, we rehearsed this thing for 10 weeks and I'd written it. And the first night I ran out, I forgot the monologue. I was like a rabbit in headlights. Yeah. And I just got oh, all this work and then the and then as but as soon as the other character come on, yeah. we could bounce off each other and I never forgot that monologue again so yeah. they, so you know it it's 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 fascinating because I think um uh, uh, uh rehearsing a play is different to write to a comedy routine would you agree with that or um is there a different process?
1: Yeah, I think you've got uh I've never rehearsed a play, but I, th- I yeah. think you've got you've got to uh, remember it like it is uh rehearsed like an actor. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then deliver it as though it's not. Yeah, yeah. That might,
0: <laughs> yeah. That might be a yeah. good description.
1: Um That's perfect. Yeah. You know, you've got I I try and get it so I know it really well and then yeah. and then and then try and deliver and then try and be in the moment and enjoy saying it not deliver it like it's rehearsed in your head it's like it's always going to be
0: like your first time you're saying it and it's the most enthusiastic i've noticed that with a lot of comedians yeah
1: you you must have the you must have a thing the amount of comedy you've watched that and it's it drives me mad i don't think i'll ever stop this will ever stop upsetting me and my wife just doesn't even listen anymore where You'll have seen it. You've seen comedians you know really well, loads of times, and they've got a bit that you really like, that's got really good laughs. And you'll have seen it, and then you'll see it, and it's like, why well, is that bit doesn't really get a laugh anymore? Very, why? very often. Why is that? Why is that? I love that bit. Why is that bit not got a laugh? You can go away and forget about it. We have to live with that. Every, yeah, yeah, on, yeah. yeah. Why, is, why is that bit not getting a laugh? <laughs> and then you try too hard. And then it's not funny anymore. And then it's just upsetting. It's something. I still go.
0: I still see them. They're still great comedians.
1: I've got. I've got a bit last night that I did. That that's it. Now I've given up on. Oh man, um, mate. mate. And it's, I, 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 I've slaved over it.
0: It's oh not happening. I got. I, I have a very good friend who comes along to a lot of the comedy shows with me.
1: And he'll lean over
0: after about five minutes and go, I've heard this, I've heard this. <laughs> I don't care, it's still good, you know. But uh, um, but I'm, I'm pleased he's there because, oh, yeah, I remember that. But it's still doing well. Um, let's move on to Edinburgh. Uh, I am very lucky uh, to go to the Edinburgh Fringe every year. I've been going since 2015. No, I haven't. I've been going since 2005. Um, the only two I've missed are the last two years, obviously because of the pandemic. It's my holiday and I go and see about 50 shows when I'm there in the week. I absolutely love it. Yeah. Um, when you're, uh, when I get the programme for the Edinburgh Fringe, you're always in there and, and, I, and I love the fact that you're there and I try and see you as often as I can. What was your first Edinburgh Fringe-like And what was your experience of it?
1: Um, I don't know if I'm a good person to talk to about
0: it. Please, if you want to, do.
1: I'm I'm going to be honest, and some people probably will slag me off for saying a lot of this, but um, mine was the same as yours, 2005, weirdly. Right. That's that's how I finally gave up the pub. Right. I've got to go away for a month. So this would be a clean break, a good time to go, right, I'm finishing, I'm going away, I'm doing that. And then yeah. I probably got enough gigs in to pay my rent. Yeah. That that was when I kind of gave up and went professional, 2005. And I did The Big Value. You know, that one, The Package Show. Um, you. It was like a ho- holy grail, got The Big Value. Um, and it was uh, my show was, everyone remembers their show. My show was me comparing, uh, Dave Dynamite opening, Liam Malone in the middle, Jason Manford closing. Wow, and the early show was um John Richardson. Oh, brilliant! And that's how me and sort of John Richardson became mates because we both found found it really hard. Comparing though, that room was quite hard. The Cafe Royal, yeah, yeah, was a bit dingy and a bit um, and it got like loads of locals in that just wanted to go and stare at new comedians. Um, it wasn't didn't feel like really part of the festival quite. It felt like it was just a little bit out of the way, and um, it was hard. And we sort yes. of bonded over, how can we make this more fun? This is hard. Um, but I, I um, it was quite a hard gig to do every night. But yeah. I enjoyed going around doing all the other gigs, all the other late night gigs and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But it took me a long time to have the courage to do my first hour. Um, probably, I think I probably left it too late. I should have left, not too late, but <clears throat> I should have done it earlier than I did. I left it too long. Um because now people go up and well, even then people go up and do an hour before they yeah. leave, they're even doing twenties anyway. Yeah.
0: Oh an hour's a long time. An hour is a long time.
1: It's a big mental barrier for me. I um yeah. I mean I've heard a lot of comedians say even the best comedian in the world after 40, you're looking at your watch like yeah, I probably do. Yeah. Um, um unless you're going to see them on a tour show. Yeah. But um it took me a long time to have the courage to do an hour. And um and I first one I found hard, second one even harder. Oh um, no. Was it third? Uh then I did one in two thousand and eleven um called uh Village Fate. The Village Fate. About um, growing up in the country, moving to <laughs> London, coming back again. And it was all based on a year in the life of one village told through their monthly newsletter. Um <laughs> So it was all stuff about a moth trapping night, and <laughs> I remember, you know, I, remember.
0: I saw that. I'm sure. Yeah, I think, I think you did see
1: that. Yeah, I, I did. I yeah, speaking to you after that. So, <laughs> yeah. I, so, so I'm not. So I've had, a, I've had one good Edinburgh. So I don't think I'm bitter and angry because I've had one good Edinburgh. But I still, mate, you go to Edinburgh every year. Yeah. Right, and you as a holiday. Yeah. So think about that. How much that costs you, and how much you're investing into that, and I admire you for that. And uh, the people that now that's fair enough, but you know, like now everyone's mo- this year, it's become everyone's moaning about Edinburgh, how much it costs. And yeah, all yeah, that. yeah. I've I've been saying this since about two thousand and six.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: I've been moaning yeah. about this. Oh,
0: it is ridiculous. I mean, I mean, the only way I could do it, in all in all honesty, I'm going up next. Week end for a week, and in September, I booked my accommodation and it was a very cheap rate i'm staying at Pollock Halls, yeah. which is a student union place, and all you need is a bed and a, a, a bed and breakfast and i've got it for like forty two pounds a night, but I booked it last year
1: yeah but
0: it's extraordinary now if you go tomorrow it's about two three hundred pound a night it's ridiculous
1: well this is the, th- uh, the thing I- i've i've said for years and i don't i think i don't know if people agree with this but i am um, now i want to make make it clear i love edinburgh as a city <laughs> but... <laughs> but as a city <laughs> yes. I, I think it's one of the best cities in the world yes. my family's is. from there my mum's from edinburgh <laughs> lovely my uncle's from my, i go and stay with my uncle love lovely. edinburgh all my yeah. cousins um as a city absolutely love it festival i think Edinburgh is possibly one of the worst cities in the world to have a comedy festival. Right. Because it's not a proper audience. We talk about, um, we talk about um, um, diversity in yeah, comedy. Yeah. When are people going to address diversity in audiences? Because Edinburgh is not a diverse, proper audience. It's not... If you look at an audience, like I did The Backyard, East London, Bethnal Green last night. If you look yeah. at that and compare that, to an audience in Edinburgh, it's not the same thing. So, you spend all year trying your material out in comedy clubs and previews all around the country, and then you go to Edinburgh. And Edinburgh, during the festival, generally speaking, apart from people like you that have spent a lot of money and got themselves organised, generally yeah. speaking, Edinburgh is made up of white middle class Scottish people and white middle class English people. If you look at the Royal Mile, it looks like hitler's vision it's just white people yeah
0: that yeah not, yeah, not yeah exactly
1: that is not a proper audience of people that's not a reflection of britain of england and scotland no. so we you spend do. all year trying your stuff to everywhere and then you go up there and do it to people that are not an audience you would ever usually play and if you right. did yeah. you would probably go i ain't doing that a gig again yeah, yeah. There for a month and it's costing you ten grand. It makes no yeah, sense. Yeah. Rooms... Do you, do you uh, appreciate other
0: fringes, other festivals? Do you go and play those, like yeah. Leicester or Brighton, or um
1: do, We've you, gone to you, Hastings as well. Yeah. yeah. Do Leicester every year? Yeah. That was where you try your hour for the first time. Yeah, yeah. And that I do that. Um, still do that now. I like that, but I just think Edinburgh. It's great for an audience member if you can afford to go up for a few days. Absolutely incredible. Yeah, yeah. I, I would really enjoy it. But as a comedian, some of the rooms that you're losing thousands of pounds to yeah. play in, you're like, if this was a comedy club in October, I, I wouldn't ever do this gig again. That's
0: a, it's it's a, it's a fascinating point because um, I, I I used to work in the civil service and teach diversity. Years right. and years ago, and right. uh, it's fascinating because, um, it is just one specific audience, as you say. And you're thinking, well, you know,
1: yeah, depending it's...
0: on where you are in Britain, you know, this is not the usual audience I would play to. It's, it's no, no other comedian has said that, and that's a unique point of view that you've got, and a, and a good one.
1: And I sound angry and bitter for saying it, but it's true that I, I mean, I had a bit of material about uh, that I did all year round about how I tried too hard to be friends with my postman because just because he was a black bloke. Right? Right. <laughs> and it was this whole story about how I had a shoulder operation and one of the exercises had to hold my arm up like a Hitler like a nasty salute. <laughs> yeah, that's how you're your yes, yeah. And I watched American History X the night before, and yes. I was annoying my wife by, like, it, like, agreeing with the racism just to annoy my wife. Like, the speeches, they're like, propaganda racist speeches. I was sat there just yeah. joking, going, well, it's a good point, though. It's a fair point. You know, just mucking about to annoy her. And then when <laughs> she was in the shower, I, drew, you know, he's got the swastika tattoo. <laughs> with a bite with a no. pen I drew it on my chest just to annoy her and then I forgot about it opened the door in the morning to the postman no topper um, no. and then no. later, later he walked past the house and I'm doing the exercise on my shoulder with the arm out this, like all those bits were true but they happened over a few days and I put them all together in one story like everywhere else got massive laughs and in edinburgh just middle-class white people gonna to... wow wow
0: like, whoa, whoa. it is fascinating I
1: I, I, I I was
0: going to ask um i was going to ask as a, a, a lead on from that um when you tour around the comedy clubs do you find audiences in different cities different
1: yeah yeah um yeah, I try sometimes try and look at it from, like, an outsider's point of view. Like, well, if, I, if I did Northampton, I'd think, well, if I weren't from here, I would probably think, what what, what are these people like? You know, <laughs> just you're from there, you think it's all right. It's a weird thing. If you go back home, it's that feeling when you go back home where you're from and you look around and go, oh, I thought this was all normal. Yeah.
0: <laughs> That's so true for Carlisle.
1: <laughs> yeah, I imagine.
0: Whenever no. whenever I go back, they've, they've got the old fire station there where all the comedians play, and um, uh, a lot of them just, <laughs> this audience is quite weird. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's, also, it's, it, it's fascinating.
1: But then I yeah. think it's weird because sometimes a, a place does really reflect yeah. people, and then sometimes it's like, well you know this this gig could be could be anywhere, it's just people but but there's there's a thing of like just the other week I did a gig in Yorkshire and I was talking about how English seaside towns as we all know are just one extreme to the other, they're either absolutely lovely or grim shitholes (laughs) you know what I mean, they're they're either cobbled streets and art galleries (laughs) and really beautiful (laughs) old fashioned buildings or they're just arcades of misery. <laughs> There's no middle ground. It's such a you take such a gamble. So I it's, was,
0: like, it's like it's like walking around a fairground with no fair. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
1: Yes, yeah. So I was I was up in um, in Stockton, and I yeah. thought, uh, the next day, and I thought I'll go to the seaside, and I had to choose uh, what pla- I didn't know where to go, and I went to one, and I told the audience where I went, and they all laughed immediately because <laughs> they all knew well, you chose the wrong one. But that is <laughs> that is a shithole. <laughs> and um, they all laugh. And then I started saying how shit it was. And then they all stopped laughing as if to go, oh, no, we're allowed to call it shit, but you're not. Because <laughs> <laughs> we're from Yorkshire. Yorkshire is a place where they're very proud and they don't like it. proud of really. their
0: own. Yeah, yeah, very so much there
1: was so. A, I find um, different for, in Liverpool... They think you need to be from Liverpool to be funny, or <laughs> well, you're not funny. Manchester, it can be proper sulky, sullen sort of. Oh, who's this? Thinks he's fucking that. Um, Kent, I've um. There's a few exceptions, but broadly speaking, I've had a theory for a long time. Uh, a good gig can never exist in Kent. Um, there are there are some exceptions, but I don't know what it is about Kent. Kent is a I think it's a place where people have done well for themselves and think they're above you, but they're still thick as fuck. (laughs) I don't know what it is. It's this weird thing. They think they know everything because they've made Uh, a load uh, of money, moved to a big house, but they still don't. (laughs)
0: I I like the uh, infamous Bob Monkhouse joke where he said, uh, he said, I was walking down the street one day and all my fans came up to me and reminded me I was from Kent. Oh, I think that's what they said. (laughs) 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 Similar (laughs) thing. Anyway, um, uh, let's move on. Uh, uh, Have you done many online gigs as opposed to live gigs? And what do you think of them?
1: Not many. I no. did a few during lockdown and I'll tell you what I think of it. I think of them, uh, I think what sums up just before we started this interview was the struggle I had to try and figure out Zoom while the mic wasn't working. Yeah, yeah. While the video didn't work, I had to swap laptops, it worked last time, I couldn't get them I had to link I I just I I get more nervous setting up and worrying about the Wi Fi dropping out mm-hmm. than the actual gig. Um so I hate I didn't like Zoom gigs at all, but I did get some good jokes from uh, Zoom gigs about how there's less heckling, audiences are less judgy yeah, yeah. when you can see the inside of their house. Yeah. <laughs> they're like Tell a joke, tell a joke, how about you decorate? Uh, <laughs> tell me what to do. You know. I text walls. Um <laughs> so I did get some bits I liked about and I think I think for a uh, new acts... Uh, or new material nights, I think zoom gigs, but i haven 't done any since i thought I thought they might carry on a bit mm. because I did a couple of zoom new new material nights there started to be some new material nights and new act nights on zoom and if you got if you get twenty people on Zoom trying out jokes to twenty people on Zoom. Is a lot more useful than driving two hours to a pub and there's four people.
0: Four well, people in there, yeah, who, yeah, you yeah. don't want to go. Who that's a, that's be... a very good point.
1: So there is that. Yeah. Beyond beyond that, I don't really no.
0: enjoy it. My my view is is that there were a the, certainly during the pandemic there were always a very good substitute. There were there were better than nothing, yeah. and um, I I used to go. To three or four, I would go to the ha- uh, Happy Mondays with Sean James, always be comedy with James Gill, and The Irishman abroad with Charlotte uh, Regan. Yeah, and uh, they, when they were when they were done well, they were they were, they were okay. But, but but when they started off, they never had any audio, and so I would sit here laughing at four walls to myself, and I thought I literally thought I'd be taken away because there's people on the walls going, "What's going on? It's too yeah. loud." But when the um, audio came in, the comedians could chat to the audience and time the jokes and whatnot, and it was very, very good. But you cannot be live. I I, I love to go out on a Saturday night and have a few beers and then sit down, and it, it's of its moment. You know, you yeah. never know what's going to happen, and I love that about your act because it's so uh, – um, you never know what you're going to get next, and and I love that. I absolutely love that.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it was well, well, there's some people who are really good at online gigs. Like I did. Yeah. I met Esther Minito yeah. uh, on, on an online Oscar. gig. Yeah. And this audience, she was getting nothing. And you couldn't hear anyone. All you could see was individual people in their living room, like. <laughs> you couldn't hear them. And she was delivering it to the screen like this. Yeah, yeah, doing full faces. Honor.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. And, yeah. T- and I thought she was brilliant. I thought yeah, she was excellent. Yeah. I for I, our it, gigs on the just, strength of that.
0: Yeah, if they can do it well, they're brilliant. So um, uh, you'd have um, uh, I don't know Josh Widdicombe coming on, and I'd be all I'd be always on the front row, and he'd go, he'd go, hello, Rich. He said, how, how long have you been wearing glasses? And I said, oh, since I was two. And he said, oh, he said, I'm trying to I'm trying these on mm-hmm. uh, to because they said to me I need glasses for my comedy. Yeah. I fucking hate them. I, I can't see a thing out there. And he developed a routine from that, and it went into his. Last I saw
1: two. that, I saw that yeah. on Channel
0: 4 Yeah, yeah, and I day. thought, good God, <laughs> he's chatting to me about it. But it's yeah. all practice and, you You're know, and doing it all. So, try, uh, yeah. Trying so, out
1: an idea on Zoom, yeah. you think if yeah, this yeah, yeah. A laugh yeah. to people sat in their house on a laptop, this could <laughs> <be> work. <laughs> yeah. But there is some use from it.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, who are your favourite comedians past and present? I know it's a big question. Did you have comedy growing up at all or...?
1: Um, I'll, I'll go. I'll go through. I'll try and go in chronological order, because mm-hmm. I have obsessive phases of comedians. The way people have obsessive phases with bands, I have that where I just yeah, listen yeah. to Oasis, just listen to the Beatles. Oh brilliant! Yeah, I have yeah, that with comedians. So obviously, the first was just Lee Evans, just non-stop yeah. Lee yeah. Evans, and then Jack D yeah, and then Frank Skinner. It was just those three over and over. I was obsessed with the three of them. And that's where I realised that I thought like they were famous people on telly and then they went and did a bit of stand-up. I didn't realise how it worked. I didn't realise, no, everything comes from stand-up. They're stand-ups that can now do other things. Yeah, that's yeah. Where yeah. I realized, oh, that's where it, it really dawned very, on me. Three
0: absolute belters. Uh, I mean, I've been watching the careers since day one.
1: Yeah, that's Maybe where it dawned it is, yeah. on me how important stand-up was. Yeah, and then from that I realised because Billy Connolly was just part of our house because my mum's from Edinburgh. My dad loves him, yeah. Generally. Yeah, yeah. Um, I know he's from Glasgow, but she's Scottish. <laughs> and, um, but the the Billy Connolly tour of Australia and Billy Connolly tour of Scotland, those programmes, I didn't realise he was a comedian. I just thought he was a famous person doing a travel programme. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. So I um um. I didn't realize. I didn't know. I thought, you know, he just goes on stage and then talks about his travels. Mm-hmm. I thought that's what he did. I didn't, mm-hmm. I didn't realize he was. And then I looked back and then looked, really looked at his stand up and then he just became a, like an absolute. He is
0: an icon. He's, he's, he's definitely top five for me.
1: Yeah. Yeah. He's, the
0: he's ability a, a, to walk on and talk and be funny is amazing.
1: Apparently, he used to have his tour manager would have a big bit of cardboard and it'd have about eight words on it. Yeah, and that was all he'd need for two hours. Yeah, yeah. People talk about going on with nothing. He literally went on (laughs) with nothing, and his wife said that he would do stuff that would happen that week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It turned into twenty-five minutes story. It'd be a camping trip that week, so it had (laughs) to be new.
0: We we saw him twice um, just before he retired.
1: Yeah, me too. And, no,
0: I've never, that, I've yeah. never laughed so hard. The the amazing thing with him is that he never faltered with certainly with the live work, it, right. it was always at such a high level, yeah. and he could just make you laugh so much. So another great choice, my friend.
1: Yes. Yeah, so anymore it would be uh, so. It went Billy Conley, and then um, and then I really got, and then I moved when I moved to London, I remember I really got into a, a, a stoned chef in the pub. So, don't no, you like comedy. I remember him stirring the gravy and singing to it, gravy, did you know that you are a gravy? Um, stoned out his head. And he said, do you know Bill Hicks? And oh. Gave me a Bill Hicks video. And then that obsession went on for a while. And then from wow. Bill Hicks, um, then I really, really got into Tommy Tiernan. Yes, superb. And then from Tommy Tiernan, it went Louis C.K. Right. And then Louis C.K., Bill Burr oh brilliant those are those are being they were they were but other than that uh, those are the more more well known ones that i've been obsessed with but since i started you're talking about you've got the same thing of watching comedians uh when they're newer yeah seeing them grow and seeing them become massive and famous it's a, like you watch it as a fan i i have that um, one of them but it's not become massive and famous but it's just it, i would argue he's one of the best comedians that's that's this is gonna sound like a dick now, but I think he's one of the best comedians that's ever lived. And um, you'll probably agree, Daniel Kitson. Oh, he's brilliant,
0: absolutely brilliant. I, I
1: remember mean, my, fir- my third ever gig in London was the Comedy Caf, and he was comparing, and yeah, he was yeah, compare, yeah. And it was just childish filth.
0: It's uh, yeah, uh, again, he he you never know what you're going to get out of him. And uh, I mean to see him appear on something like Phoenix Nights as a as a terrible G- DJ, and then do a stand-up routine. It's like bloody this is extraordinary. But um, could, uh, he's a he's a regular at Edinburgh when we go. He always plays the stand.
1: Well, I, I was um, I saw him 2005, and I, like many many people, have told exactly the same story. At the end, you just turned to whoever you were with and just went, "I might as well give up." <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that, that is about as good as It's a great up.
0: line. <laughs> That's as
1: good. Stuart Lee said it on that thing yeah, about the yeah. top 100 stand ups. And- yeah, you watch Kitson and you think, well, that's about as good as it as good
0: as it gets. Yeah, yeah, he um, is, and, and, and he, he would always sell out. He did. He, he was always surprised that he'd sell out, but he, but he, it, 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 it's it, it's an extraordinary act to see. You, you you were saying as well about Bill Hicks. We were, I was very fortunate to see him live. I saw him at Royal Exchange, crazy. and he, he came on at midnight. And everybody was tired out, and he came on, and he was just rah, just ranting for an hour and a half and he was just priceless the The advertising material my my brother makes adverts, and he's crying with laughter it's how true is that you know but it was it, it the the relatability of his act and just his fear of or, or fearless of not say, just saying whatever he wanted was correct and extraordinary, and uh, it's such another sad loss. He was on, he's only thirty-two, but uh, he 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 was probably a highlight for me. Um, like me, do you go to a lot of comedy uh, shows as a member of the audience?
1: Um, there's, there's some that there that I've mentioned. I don't get to a lot because if I haven't got a gig. You have know, got to try and make the marriage work. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, so I am um, like just last week I was going to go and see Daniel Kitson was at Regent's Park and I Yeah, to yeah,
0: to yeah. Over. I saw that. Yeah, I couldn't get no,
1: in. No, I just thought I can't. Um, I can't, I can't
0: <laughs> well, maybe. of course you you've, you've got to balance life, my friend. Yeah. So <laughs> I don't
1: I don't know a lot, but there's somewhere like there's somewhere I've like well I've got to go and see him, and it's the ones I've mentioned like. Louis CK coming to England, I've got to see yeah. him
0: yeah.
1: anytime. Bill Burr is in England, yeah. I don't care yeah. how much it is, where it is, I'm going to see Bill Burr. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, but yeah, I try. Um, but what I do do is I do when I when I've got a weekend of gig somewhere and you're staying there, I'm always really it makes me really happy that I'm like I'll get to see the other acts because I live out of London. I'm always doing a gig, I'm rushing off. And I don't see the was, other acts yeah. as much as obviously.
0: I was. I, 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 I was just going to say um, if you were on a bill, would you stay and see the other acts? And certainly if you're away for weekends, you can, you know, because yeah. a lot of comedians do twos and threes in a night. They double up, don't they? But um, yeah. yeah. But
1: if you've got a two and a half hour drive home, yeah, you've got to
0: get yeah, up in yeah. the morning and do stuff, yeah. then you, you know. But
1: I, um, yeah. I try, I try, I always think, oh, brilliant, I can watch all the other acts tonight. It's good, man. No, I still I still what I still feel like I'm a fan of comedy. That does it. Well rightly so,
0: we all are. I certainly am. Yeah. <laughs> I, 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 I cannot get enough of it. I absolutely love it. I really do. Um just before we go, and I've much enjoyed this, I've so enjoyed talking to you, it's been wonderful. Um, is there anything else you'd like to say? Where can people find you on social media? Have you got any shows coming up? Anything like that?
1: I would like to apologise to Liverpool, Kent, Yorkshire, all of them are flagged <laughs> off. <laughs> I don't want to apologise to Edinburgh. Um, I, I apologise to Edinburgh, the city, not the festival. It's a festival <laughs> of exploiting performers and that is all it is. Yeah, um, uh, is. Um, I've got I'm gonna. hopefully i did a tour a year and a bit ago so i'm working towards doing another tour um so uh if you see that anywhere come and see me Andy, i am um, uh,
0: in front of the queue my friend i think you're a unique fantastic act
1: oh thank you very much i am um, i am um, i do i i think the one one thing i i th- Feel more comfortable that you you watch a lot of stand up, and I know you're in the audience. Is that I know at least I do some new stuff, because <laughs> you worry that I have that I've got I've got an illness of that of seeing someone going ah, oh, no, he's If I see you, I think oh no, he's heard all of this. <laughs>
0: But I, I'm still there because you're a very good performer, my friend. You always were. Um, where can people find you on social media?
1: Ah, uh, Yes, it's Andrew Bird Comedian. It's my website, Facebook, Instagram, all of that, yeah. Andrew Bird Comedian. Not That's brilliant. well Andrew Bird, the musician from America. Not him. So, <laughs> you know, we will not be seeing any experimental folk.
0: <laughs> well listen my friend i am uh as i said i'll be in the front row for the for your new tour and i hope to see you again gigging very soon in london and thank you so so much for being my guest it's been an absolute joy talking to you and all the best to you thank
1: you very much mate thank all you. the best Bye. thank you